Following Christ with us is an invitation for women of all ages and in every stage of life to grab their Bibles and a cup of coffee and join us, Shirley Crowder and Lee Wren, as we discuss what the Bible says about a variety of topics. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Shirley, and I'm in studio today with my friend Lee. Lee, how are you today? Great, Shirley. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, we are actually recording this a little early, and it's a pretty sunshiny, cool day outside. And I'm enjoying the sunshine and the coolness because I like cold weather. Um, Lee doesn't like cold weather quite so much. I'm praying for snow. So, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll like it if we can have some beautiful snow. Some pretty snow. So. <laughs> Um, we today are going to be starting a new series, and uh, sort of as the introduction of that, we want to talk about a passage that we've talked about before, but we, we just want to go over it a little bit. Part of what we want to do is help those who may not really understand how to read and study scripture and how to pull things from the scripture that they're learning to see what the scripture says. Um, we want to do some things that help you learn to do that. So Lee is going to read um, in just a minute Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So if you're where you can pull out your Bible or your device with scripture on it, go ahead and pull it out. And um, I will ask Lee if she will pray for us and get us started. and Then we'll go from there. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have together today, Lord. And just thank you for this day period, God. I just pray that you'll be with us through this time, Lord, and that you will open our eyes and open the eyes of everyone that's listening, Lord, and that we will just understand your word, God, and that we will apply it to our lives every day, Lord. I thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. So Lee is going to read from the, which version? ESV? Um, NIV. NIV, uh, the New International Version of Scripture, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 made alive in Christ. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving our wrath, deserving of wrath, excuse me, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by his grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so for those of you that might be new to <clears throat> A new Christ follower, new to studying scripture. Uh, there's some 
some things that you ask when you've read a, a passage like this one. And one of the questions is, the answer is found in verses 1, 2, and 3. And the question is, <clears throat> what does the passage say? How does it describe who you were before you became a Christ follower? Now, sometimes when you ask questions like that, people are, oh, I don't know the answer. Well, just read it in the scripture. In my version, the English Standard Version, it says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. Hmm. That's pretty straightforward. We were dead, didn't it? And then the other thing it says, um, that we were following the course of this world. So we were following Satan, not Christ. Very simple. That's what those verses say. This is who you were before. And then um, you want to ask, so what does that scripture say about salvation? In that verse 4 where it says, but God. So you were, my term, lower than pond scum, P-O-N-D, for those who can understand my accent. And then it says, but God is rich in mercy. And so because of God's <clears throat> mercy and grace, because of salvation that comes into our lives and our hearts, when we repent of our sin and seek his forgiveness, is that he makes us alive. And that's in verse 4 or 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ made us alive. We were alive with Christ. And then we're saved by grace alone. It goes on to say, I always say this was this part was put in there um, specifically for me. When it says, um, starting, let's see a good place to start. How about verse 8? For by grace you've been saved through faith. and This is not your own doing. In other words, you didn't do nothing to get it. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, not a result of anything I've done, so that no one may boast. And I'm like, you know, I play, my thing I use, my example is that I played piano. And if getting into heaven meant that I could, uh, in order to get to heaven, that you would have to sit down and be able to play Oh, I don't know. Rotmaninoff's Prelude in C sharp minor. Okay. Without making going. any mistakes, <laughs> then Lee's not going to heaven. <laughs> I know. I won't be there. And on some days, Shirley's not going because she can't play it right. Um, but you know what? If that was it, and I could play it really, really well, like when I practice a lot, then I'd be going around to Lee, going, "Ha ha ha! I got in, and you didn't." I'd be bragging about what I can do. And that's the important part of this this passage and understanding what salvation is, is that there's nothing we do to deserve it. So um, go ahead. At, well, but after salvation, we should want to work mm -hmm. for the Lord. You know, serve him. Yes. Mm -hmm. That should be in our spirit mm -hmm. to want to do mm -hmm. that, to serve in any capacity. It's a fruit of the spirit. Yes. That we serve, are able, right? Yes, to serve Christ. To do so. Now, in counseling, especially, but in teaching, I like to tell people there are two questions when you're approaching Scripture to ask yourself uh, when I'm approaching a new Scripture or a Scripture to study for either teaching or personal study or to write a devotional or whatever it might be. The first question is, what does the passage say? 
about who God is. What is his character? Who who is God? And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes it's hard. You're reading in some of the um, genealogies, you think, huh? It's hard to get. But even in the genealogies, you're seeing God's faithfulness through the generations. Um, So in these verses, it talks about God being rich in mercy. talks about um, that God is love and that he directs that love toward us, his great love, how some versions say it. It says we were dead, and now he's made us alive. So what that means is God's able to forgive. God's able to take a dead person, us, our hearts, spiritually dead, and bring us to life. It says that um, he's going to seat us. uh, We'll be seated in the heavenly places, eternal life. It means he's God. He's sovereign. God is generous. He gives gifts. And uh, there we could go on and on and spend a lot of time trying to figure out what all it says about God. But just look, don't, don't try. Oftentimes we try so hard to come up with the good idea or something that we think is there that isn't obvious to us. But just state the obvious. What does it say about who God is? And then the second question, is that based on what you learn from that scripture about who God is, what his character is, what his attributes are, what are you as a Christ follower then required to do in response? Now, some people get upset when I use the word required talking about being a Christ follower. But a requirement is a, is a command. It's the same thing. And being a Christ follower is more than walking down an aisle and saying, I love Jesus. We show our commitment to God by serving him. And part of serving him is being obedient to his word. And so, all right, God's rich in mercy. God gives us forgiveness. What's that mean we're supposed to do? We're supposed to seek forgiveness from him. We're supposed to repent of our sin. We're supposed to obey his word. We're supposed to love others. God loved us with his love, so we're supposed to love others. Um, We're supposed to live as God's creation. It talks about God um, saving us and showing the kindness uh, toward us in Jesus Christ. Calls us his workmanship, his special creation. We're supposed to look like God's workmanship. When people look at us in the way that we walk and the things we do, they ought to see Jesus in us. Our sins just make us so sick. Yeah, exactly. Sick. Yeah. And it affects every aspect yes. of our life. So that actually, Lee, is a very good segue into the, the beginning of the uh, series we're going to do. It's based upon a book written by Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T Scott, along with his wife, Zondra, Z-O-N-D-R-A, and it's called Killing Sin Habits, Conquering Sin with Radical Faith. Now, when you 
go to our anchor site for following Christ with us. There's a description of today's uh, episode, and on there will be the title of the book and a link where you can find it uh, if you're interested in getting the book. The first chapter that, of course, I love all of them, or we wouldn't be doing the book, but in the first chapter, the title is Repeating Pattern of Sin, Pattern of Sin, Just Like Clockwork, But It Can Stop. Now, let me just ask a question here, Lee. I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Are there sins that it just seems like they're just, you do them over and over, and you might, you actually confess them, you actually repent of them, you actually ask forgiveness to walk without repeating it, without being fearful, whatever it is. But they just... Happen. There they, they just are. come out. They come out because yeah. that's part of overflow of our heart. Yeah. The lack of us trusting God and all of that. It's become know? a part of us. Yeah. Some, you know, and, and sometimes it's habitual. It's, yes. It's, 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 we've done it before we've actually given thought to it, but that doesn't mean it's not sin. Okay. Like speech, maybe, mm-hmm. or something out of your speech habits, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say, before you know it, you're angry whatever, and it's there, and you're like, I did it again. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I said that, you know, but I know from personal experience many, many years ago, I knew there were some things I was saying that did not mm-hmm. please God, mm-hmm. and it really broke my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked him in my prayer life, I said, please take this from me, God, because I know you love me. It doesn't please you, and he did, mm-hmm. and I want you to know it was gone. And it no more came from my mouth. So. And there are other times where we we pray that and we're sincere and we mean it and we really want to quit it, and God doesn't immediately take it from us. And so there, to work at it. It's <laughs> it's not just one one time for everything. Right. God uses everything that happens for us and to teach us things and to glorify Himself and to sanctify us to make us more like Him. Now. <clears throat> There are two scripture passages uh, that the, this chapter begins with. One of them is Jeremiah 12, uh, excuse me, I can't read it. Jeremiah 2, 12 to 14. And, and um, I'm going to read that one. It says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out, that's a word we don't use a lot, hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a slave? Is he a home-born servant? Why then has he become a prey? Oh my goodness, does that not sound like the United States of America? Yes. Even us. even what I read before mm-hmm. in Ephesians exactly. just definitely applies exactly to today. That's what we were you know? yes, and then there, there's there's hope. Uh, read Psalm one nineteen forty five for us. Okay, I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will walk freely. So <clears throat> I'm going to read parts as we go along, just because they say it better than I do. 
says the the first passage, the one from Jeremiah, expresses something you may have heard or do you know very well, and then something you may not yet realize. Here are the two things. Something is very wrong that must be changed for your good and God's glory. Something must be changed. And then number two is that Jesus, the fountain of living waters, is what you're really looking for. So, man, as we look at at the state of our world, our nation, states and our communities and our homes, our churches, our own lives. Everybody's looking for answers to things. And the problem comes because we try and find what only God can give us and everything else around us. We we try to find a sinful substitute. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for love. We're looking for strength. We're looking for peace. We're looking for fill in the blank. And we are going to look for it everywhere except where we need it. I counsel eight or ten years ago who was so frustrated and didn't understand in her late twenties, I guess, early thirties at this point. And she, at that point, and she said, uh, you know, I just, I just don't understand. Um, I just don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel, you notice I'm saying feel a lot. Um, you know, I, I meet all these guys and they don't treat me right. And I don't know why God doesn't. And I'm like, whoop, whoop, time out. Back up a little bit here. You're looking for love and acceptance and satisfaction. And there is no mere mortal man. Nope. <laughs> or woman. <laughs> That's going to give you that. It's only in that relationship with Christ that we're going to find those things. People just want a quick fix. Yes, they want a quick fix, and they don't want to have to think about it, and they want to blame it on someone else when they don't get to do it. Um, But that second passage, that Psalm 119 passage, is the hope, which really is surety, to which you can cling. Oh, my goodness. What would we do? Christ followers, if we did not have hope. It says, if God is your creator, and by the way, he is, <laughs> and the all-wise shepherd of your soul. He is. Right, because he is your savior, <laughs> then both the motivation and the liberating answers for your patterns of sin will be found in the counsel of his word. Now, I have had, I meet all sorts of interesting people. Yes, I've <laughs> learned this. <laughs> and, and come across them in, in counseling situations and church where I work when I answer the phone and talking with people, talking with people in my Sunday school class, so on, so just all this stuff. You, you meet people. And they're looking for something, and they're wanting they're wanting some help. And in fact, you might often hear them say, "You know, I want some wise counsel." Okay, well, where have you sought that counsel? 
well, I asked so-and-so and so-and-so, and I did this, or I read this book. There's nothing wrong with reading books other than scripture. But you don't read, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because it really was sad, but you don't read a romance novel for an answer of good counsel of how you act in a relationship. No, you go to God's word for that. Um, and so we're, where'd we go? Where'd we get silly? Where'd we get foolish? That's the good biblical word, isn't it? Is that we think we can walk through this life. We're saved. We've got our, you know, stay out of hell free card. And that's it. We want to do it ourselves. Yes. And we, we don't can. want to wait on God. <laughs> That's why this verse yeah. says, it ain't that, well, Shirley's version says it ain't got nothing to do with you. Right. Sorry for all my grammarians out it there. It doesn't, though. But it doesn't. There's nothing, nothing we can do. And so Paul talks to us often about, in numerous places, about running races with perseverance. It's in Hebrews 12. And he talks about Throwing off the things that encumber us, throw off the sin, put off the sin. The concept we hear talked about a lot is to put it off, put the sin off, and then here's something that that we forget sometimes. We just think we're just going to stop doing this. Well, if you don't replace that sinful habit with through the Spirit with something godly, with God's Word, with a godly habit then that thing you're trying to throw off is going to bubble straight back up in there and grow and come back strong. It's going to bite you again. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason that um, many of the self-help, 12-step programs for addiction, things like that, don't work because they just tell you, stop drinking. But your identity always is that you're going to be, you're always going to be a, an alcoholic, you're always going to be. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says if you're God's child and you put off that God transforms you, you're a new creation, your identity no longer is that you're an alcoholic. Your identity is that you're a child of God. And so you don't have to introduce yourself. I'm surely I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm surely I'm a child of the King. And Lee, if we as Christ followers took as seriously who we are in Christ and what our identity is, as those who are involved in a lot of the self-help 12-step programs do, what a difference would it make? They are committed to their identity. Yeah, yeah sadly they use it as an excuse. Right. But they're committed to that. How much more should we as Christ followers be committed to that identity? And it it comes over into every area of our lives, whether it's dealing with <laughs> dealing with hormones as a teenage boy <laughs> or girl, dealing with parent parent issues, um, you know, parents dealing with children, with teenagers, uh, relationships between children and their adult parents and adult parent or this this 
repetitively redundant maybe, but <laughs> parents, how, how are they relating to their adult children? How are they, you know, um, dating relationships, relationships at work, relationships uh, at your church, relationships ev everywhere with the lady who checks you out at the grocery store. And trust me, as a parent, just because your kids are grown does not mean that you do not have issues <laughs> with them. It changes. They're just different. They're, they're different. And parents have to learn that those are adults. Yes. They're the ones comfortable before God now. Yes. And so uh, the only way, the only way that we can move forward is to be putting off that sin. And uh, Hebrews 12, 1 says that we throw off that which hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Wow. That should give us hope. That should give us hope wherever we are in our life. And there's a verse that, a um, couple of verses in James that actually give me a little hope too. James 1, 14 to 15, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured, L-U-R-E-D, lured, and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, it's straightforward, isn't it? it I mean, really, and you know, we hear a lot, and the older people will remember the old um, Flip Wilson skit of the devil made me do it. Yeah. And we are so quick to say the devil, the devil did this. And yes, he does tempt us. But oh my goodness, right here it says enticed by what? His own, my own desire. It's the desires of my heart that, that tempt me. It's what I want most that pushes me to do things. And then when that's conceived, it gives birth to sin. Goodness, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible cycle. And so um, we're not going to go into all the detail that this chapter does. But if, if you can get this book, I highly recommend it. Because it, begin, it will help you think through when the temptation comes and, and how the struggle that you yeah, just the cycle of that and the, you know, we make a feeble attempt to overcome it, but we usually don't do pretty too well on that. Um, but here's the part that we, that where sin is concerned, once we're a Christ follower that we really hang on to is from Romans 6, 6. And this one's from the New American Standard Version of Scripture. It says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So, as a counselor, I have heard over and over and over again people say, I can't stop doing that. And there's a, there's a sense in which that is truth. But they treat the sin and they treat the temptation it's stronger than Christ, and it's not. It's Christ in us as a Christ follower that gives us the strength 
to walk in the new, newness of life as a, as a new creation. And that has to happen moment by moment for most of us. Doesn't it, Lee? Yeah, I mean, so I've <laughs> seen some people just don't seem to maybe want to give up. Exactly. What they're doing at the time. Right. You know, and that is a process of trusting God, mm -hmm. turning to God, and right. letting Him take that over, that part of you. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. It'd be very hard. I had a conversation a week ago with somebody mm -hmm. that just, I could tell, flat out did not want to give up mm -hmm. what they were doing. And know? that's just like we are, unfortunately, so much of the time. Yes. So um, as you're thinking through your life and your walk with Christ, I would challenge you to be in, be in the Word, be in Scripture. Figure out what it says about who God is. Get to know God. Learn the facts about Him, but don't let them just be cold, vain facts, theology. Romans 12, 1 and 2, the 2 rather, says that you know we're to be transformed by the continual renewing of our minds. And daily. Moment by moment. <laughs> And that's what we're striving for here. We're striving to understand that God is able. He saved us, and he is saving us now. And he is giving us the strength we need to walk through all the craziness of what's going on right now in our nation and in our world. And it's not just that God will get us through by the seat of our pants, but that God will bring us through victoriously when we look to him. Well, Lee, I think that's a good place for us to pause for this week, to stop, and we will pick up here next week. We hope you'll join us then and hope that you have a good week between now and then. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, as always, for your love and your watch care over us. And Father, I thank you for the time that we've had to sit and look at your word and begin to, to get a feel for what you say about sin in our lives and how we can trust you and confess that sin and walk in the freedom of forgiveness. We seek that forgiveness from you. We thank you for this time, Father. I pray that uh, you would be pleased for your spirit to work in the hearts of those listening and that uh, they would draw closer to you in their relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next week, Lee. Yes, looking forward to it.